Itchy Bites. Hey everyone, it's Liz here from Witchy Bites. Um, this month it's me and only me, poor Hanny. She has had a surprise with her studies um, announced to her where she thought she could study uh, part-time and was told she could study part-time. And then um, she just got told that she has to finish the course by the end of the year. So she has four units to complete. So you can imagine the stress that she's under. So this month it's just me, so Hannah can focus on getting her her units done. Um, So it's going to be a little bit of a different episode, a little bit more, well, hopefully not monotone, but certainly single-personed. Okay, episode 14. Yay! I guess I should fill you in on what we've been up to. Um, Hannah and I have done a Witchcraft 101 uh, workshop here in in Hobart, which was interesting. We got to meet some cool new witches. Can't say that everyone identified as a witch, but I certainly feel that people are feeling more like they would have some understanding. So that was fun. That was our first workshop and... It was definitely a learning experience for us and we had a good time and we hope the people that went had a good time as well. Um, We certainly had good feedback, which was really lovely. Other than that, um, I do want to just make a quick statement about a book recommendation I made a few episodes ago. It was called Honouring the Ancestors by Galina Kraskova. And I do have to say I have to retract my recommendation and it's not because the content isn't good. I I do like it. I think you should do some research if you do want to look into this book and, and buy it. But I've just found out some things about the author that I can no longer consciously recommend her books and some of her values do not align with mine, particularly around... I would say racism. Um, and so I do not feel like I can in good conscience recommend her books, which of course then funds her views. And of course, it's really good to read things that are different to your point of view, but I cannot, I cannot think to recommend her books where she has some financial gain out of it. So do your own research, make your own decisions, but I am retracting my recommendation. So I guess that's the serious stuff out of the way. We're heading towards the spring equinox here in the Southern Hemisphere, which is really exciting. Um, I haven't really thought about much to do with the season other than the observations. Um, Temba is a really windy month for us and that today is no exception. Today is the 14th of September and the winds are intense. Um, So that's been fun. That probably means that some of the mutton birds are migrating back. Yay! Other than that, I don't think there's much to say. The flowers are getting pretty. The sun's feeling warmer. You can definitely feel the heat in the sun. I wonder if in the northern hemisphere you're noticing a decline in the in the sun. I do want to say that we are thinking about uh, the people in California at the moment. In Australia, we understand the significance of bushfires um, and your forest fire in California has been intense, scary, dangerous and 
we are thinking about you and I hope you're all doing well if you are in California. Okay, on to today's episode. Today I'm talking to you about eucalyptus. This is a huge plant in Australia. We love our eucalyptus. We have even have our own national day, which is on March 23rd, and it's eucalyptus day. And a lot of places do things like going on tours to identify different gums and to talk about the stories and where they came from and if they're introduced and all that kind of thing. They do that at my work, which is really cool. So the term eucalyptus comes from the word eu, which means well, and calyptus, which means covered. And it was first coined by a French botanist called Charles Louis someone in 1788, Le Hitteret de Brutel. Now that was a butchering, but that was his name. I'll put it in the comments. We have over 700 species of eucalyptus in the Myrtaceae family. And that's really, really huge here. Like that's a huge amount of eucalyptus species. Most of the world's eucalyptus is native to Australia. So again, a really huge plant for us. Um, It can be found in every state and territory and three quarters of our forest are eucalyptus forest. Where we live in um, Tasmania, we have eucalyptus plant as our flora, the blue gum or the eucalyptus globulus. And it has these beautiful waxy sort of blue leaves and it's very, very pretty. It's an extremely old plant. Um, There have been eucalyptus fossils found in Patagonia uh, from 52 million years ago. But uh, more recently, there's been sequencing of the eucalypt genome from the rose gum. And it's found in New South Wales and Queensland that indicates that the group goes back at least 109 million years. So it's a pretty darn cool old plant. Of all the species that are outside of Australia, there are only nine that are exclusively non-Australian. So that's not many at all. And the places where it's found outside of Australia are New Guinea and Indonesia and Philippines. There are others that are found overseas, but mostly this has been done through plantations uh, for their wood because they're fast growing species. They grow quite quickly and quite tall, but these are starting to be removed because of bushfire risk, which is what they're good at doing. Fire is incredibly important to their life cycle. Um, The Australian landscape has been influenced by fire by the First Nations people who look after and manage the land to ensure adequate food sources and regeneration. And eucalyptus thrives on fire. It's made for fire. It's made for that environment. So it was a perfect place for it to establish dominance in the forests. Eucalyptus can be found in many environments. Some of them can be quite extreme, such as the Nullarbor Plains, um, and even at high altitudes, although they tend to be more shrub-like bushes than trees. So they're quite a hardy plant as well. Mostly they're not frost tolerant, so that does add some limitations to many of the species. So one of the things that is really, really cool about eucalyptus is that they have the tallest known flowering plant on the planet, and we have a massive amount of them here in Tasmania. Um, This is the mountain ash uh, or eucalyptus 
Regnans, Eucalyptus Regnans. And here in Tassie, they're really, really special because they're really old. And because the west coast of Tasmania is really wet, it's not affected by fire as much. So the trees have managed to grow really, really tall. And David Attenborough did an episode on Tasmania and he covered the mountain ash. Um, So if you do get a chance to watch it, it's worth seeing. So while they do have quite a big symbol with fire, they also do have this really nice symbol with water. Um, The root system does take up a lot of water and can actually dry land out. So it has this nice, nice opposites going on here with the elements, which is really cool. So part of their fire survival strategy is the ability to help flame fire. Uh, One of the things that they do is they shed their bark and their leaves are filled with oil. Now, this oil is what gives that really strong scent, but it's also what can be used to make essential oils. So it, but it's also a feature that um, causes the plants to be highly flammable. They're trying to encourage fire to help the life cycle continue. There are a few species that do only generate from um, seed and if they are hit with fire, they're incredibly vulnerable to it and it can wipe them out. So it's not a blanket rule, but it is a an interesting feature about them, which I think can play really strongly into their magical properties. The mountain ash, the eucalyptus regnans, is one of those trees. So for those who might be in Tasmania, it'd be really cool if you can get out to the Styx Valley and spend some time with them because, yeah, the trees are pretty old and I think they would have a lot to say if we're willing to listen. So one of the really cool things about eucalyptus is that they add a bark layer every year and the outermost layer dies. And I think that that's incredibly symbolic. There is something about this tree that has that idea of the death card, I think, and the rebirth of things and ideas and and starting again and and responding to something that seems like a burning, like a phoenix, you know, like being burnt down and then springing back. So going back to the bark, what happens is the outermost layer dies and the dead bark sheds off, um, which then reveals another layer underneath. And that also is what's incredibly flammable on the forest floor and it makes things burn. So, yeah, I feel like that's an incredibly significant feature of the trees that I feel is in their magical qualities as well. We have some really pretty, pretty, pretty eucalyptus here that are called stringy barks, where the the strips of the bark comes away, revealing these beautiful reds and yellows underneath. Now, the way that the bark strips away is really similar to the way trees respond to diminishing light uh, with deciduous trees. It's a similar process which sheds the the bark and reveals what's underneath and perhaps there is something there about revealing what we have beneath our skin and beneath what is no longer serving or what is required for new growth and they have these beautiful little seed capsules these little flowers um, that 
that bursts forth from a little, we call them gum nuts, but like fruit capsules. And you get to see these really pretty flowers that are essentially stamens and they can vary in color. They can be white, cream, yellow, pink or red. And again, I think that that's really significant when you're thinking about magic and what kind of flowers you might be using in your rituals. Okay, so one of the things that is really, really cool about these flowers is that in Australia we have this story that was written in 1918 about Snuggle Pot and Cuddle Pie. The author was an Australian called Mae Gibbs, and it talks about the story of these two little gumnut babies um, who go on adventures, and they also have trouble with these terrible Banksia men, which is another Australian plant. And if you ever get to read them, they're so worth it. I love them as a child, and they're just so significant to the way we grew up. And I think that adds to our love affair with eucalyptus, this like story of these little creatures that live in the eucalyptus trees that are part of the flowers. Unlike many species of plant that flower, um, instead of it happening in spring, it actually ha- most eucalypts flower in summer. Now they can flower all year round, but most of them flower in summer. And that is really significant because of the whole idea of the harvest in Australia being associated with bushfires and that kind of thing. So eucalyptus is used in many, many industries. It's used for making paper. Um, and as I mentioned before, the eucalyptus oil from the leaves is distilled and it can be used in cleaning, antiseptic, and even in some food products such as cough drops, sweets. We have these eucalyptus flavoured lollies that I absolutely adore. When I was a kid, I hated them and it's all my grandmother ever had, but now I really like them and they're really, really tasty. And they're also used in toothpastes. Um, it's also a good insect repellent. Uh, and is used in things like mosquito repellents that you can buy on the market. If you have a look on the back, you might see that it has eucalyptus in the in the ingredients. The biggest oil collected plant is, or oh, the most oil is collected from the leaves of eucalyptus globulus, as I mentioned before, the blue gum, the floral emblem of Tasmania. They have these really lovely difference between juvenile and adult leaves. And again, it's that whole changing around life stages that I find really fascinating. You know, the change from like really young leaves that are quite wide and quite blue and waxy globulous is the word for it. And then you have these like later in life leaves where they grow out and they're long and they're um, more of that style of eucalyptus leaves that you're used to seeing, that long pointed leaf. Now, of course, there are two families that we, we're talking about here. We have the main eucalyptus family, um, which has that real eucalyptus smell. And then we have the one that has the really narrow leaves called a peppermint. And they do have a bit more of that kind of peppermint feel to them. So I feel that that's incredibly significant as well. This whole change of life, change of ages, the change of, hmm, the change of growth that comes with life. And I think that this is where this plant becomes incredibly significant. 
Of course, eucalyptus wood is has been used by um, Australian Aboriginal communities to make wind instruments or the didgeridoo. Traditionally, the trunk of a tree was hollowed out by termites and then cut down to the right size and shape to make the didgeridoo, which is really, really cool. Um, you can make dyes from eucalyptus um, that can come out in different colours, such as yellow, orange, green, like a sort of chocolatey colour and a deep rust red. And again, like I'm realizing now how important it is to, if you really subscribe to the idea of color in your practice, being able to dye things a color and use it with native plants that have the native essence of the place that you are is becoming important to me in my practice. I think I started to learn that with the talk about acacia and I have actually dyed like name papers for uh, doing some root work um, with acacia flower and I will be looking into doing this with eucalyptus as well. I think another interesting thing about eucalyptus is that in some places in outback of Australia, the root systems have been known to draw up little deposits of gold and deposit the particles in the leaves and the branches. And I think that really speaks to that whole root system that comes into this plant the ability to draw things up and bring it in to you and into that space and I really feel that in Australia we can use this like symbol of the eucalyptus tree when we're doing our magical work like a lot of our meditations evolve around drawing things up from the ground and bringing it into you and knowing that trees do this, of course, with water and things like that, but also with gold and putting it through their leaves and being able to find it, like you wouldn't be able to harvest it and sell it and make a lot of money. But the idea that gold can be picked up from the ground from the root system is pretty cool. And um, it makes me really, 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 really happy. So California, we're talking about your fires. You have a lot of eucalyptus plantations so I think you're one of the places that is moving them out. Of course, Argentina, Brazil, Ethiopia, Madagascar, Zimbabwe, Italy, Spain and Greece, Palestine and Hawaii. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a plant that comes with risks, I guess, in that way. I think another magically significant thing about eucalyptus is that the gums, so remember how I was talking about there are two types, you've got the gums, um, they have one, three, or seven flowers, flowers, flowers per inflorescence. So I think that that is incredibly significant. Three in particular being such a magical number. Finding out which which plants have these three flowers per inflorescence. Um, if you don't know what inflorescence. It means the mode of development and arrangement of flowers on an axis. And we do, we have these magical numbers in witchcraft um, that have significant meanings. And surprisingly, or not surprisingly, because I've already spoken about it, eucalyptus is edible in some cases. And I'm going to put this with a massive disclaimer. Don't go out munching on eucalyptus leaves or sucking up eucalyptus oil because it's, um, it can be fatal. But um, there are some ways that you can eat um, eucalyptus. So there's a species called Cytogum, 
eucalyptus gunnai, um, and it's found in frosty areas, so one of the ones that can actually tolerate frost uh, in places like the Central Plateau in Tasmania. It also has three flowers per per umbel, and it does smell like eucalyptus oil when crushed. So it belongs to the eucalyptus family, the gum family. The eucalyptus family. It belongs to the gum family. The way that cider gum can be collected is by kind of like similar to how maple syrup is collected. The tree is wounded and um, you can collect the sap in a in a container um, and it was used as a as a sweet food for the indigenous Tasmanians in their diet. Now this is from the Eat Wild Tasmanian book that I mentioned before in the acacia episode. Yeah, and if you ferment this sap, it can make alcohol. I would say, though, that don't go out walking around injuring plants to get sap to make alcohol. If you're going to harvest harvest cider gum, grow your own plant, do it that way. Don't go out into the wild and do a wild harvest. That's not cool. Like, you've got to respect the trees that we're looking at and working with and just walking around in particularly national parks. Don't do it. That's really bad and would be really, really frowned upon. So other eucalypts have resin um, that can be used particularly for medical things like um, dysentery sores, ulcers, things like that. Um, And it's also been used to mouthwash and uh, to help against gingivitis and those kinds of things. The gums are also rich in astringent tannins. Um, and so the first Australians, the indigenous populations, um, made teas out of them, which is really, really cool. Um, and then the white gum has something called manna, which is a sugary fluid that comes from the leaves that that insects have damaged and it can't, and it crystallizes. Um, it's made up of about 60% sugar, 60% water and 20% pectin and some other acids, but it's been likened to the sweetness of wedding cake icing. So this thing's really, really sweet. I haven't tried it. Um, and I really, really would like to, um, it also has some health benefits in that it's a mild laxative. So some of the other health benefits uh, of eucalyptus, this is taken from the New Healings Herbs by Castlemon, but they talk about how eucalyptus roots hold an astonishing amount of water, like heaps and heaps of water. And when you think about the outback and how dry it is, what some of the indigenous people did was uh, dig up some of the roots and chew on the roots for water. You can also make eucalyptus leaf tea to treat fevers accidentally planting eucalyptus in places in other places of the world such as Italy and Sicily and Algeria eliminated malaria because of how much the the eucalyptus plants were planted in these marshes and they sucked up all the water drying it out and the mosquitoes no longer had a habitat to live in thus moving them out of the area and moving malaria out of the area. Eucalyptus is also used to help with breathing, so for things like asthma, asthma and bronchitis and chest congestion. 
So really good for colds and flus and scrapes and periodontal health and even headaches, adding some eucalyptus to your temples, dilute it, of course, um, will help release tension for headaches. One of the things they suggested was boiling a handful of leaves in water and then breathing it in, and that helps open the airways and relaxing things. Now, I actually do this for my possum joeys when they refuse to drink their milk when they first come into care. I boil up the water with eucalyptus leaves, and they then will drink the water, uh, the milk made with that, with the eucalyptus water, which is um, amazing. It's like a, a treat for them. You know, of course, you can put like um, a handful of leaves in a cloth and run bath water over it to help have like this eucalyptus bath, which would be a really healing, rejuvenating bath. And again, you could also drink the leaves in tea yourself, but be super careful because like I said, it is fatal in high qualities. You really only want to be doing like a really small amount. Um, This book said one or two teaspoons of dried crushed leaves in a cup of water. But do your research. Don't just take my word for it. Also, some people are allergic to it, so just make sure you don't put the oil on your skin. And a teaspoon of eucalyptus oil is fatal. So if you're going to have it, only one or two drops. And, of course, there are other drug interactions and stuff like that. So if you're going to ingest it, make sure you know what you're doing. Talk to an expert. So I looked up other people's ideas of magical properties because I haven't actually done any much work with eucalyptus. Some of the things that people suggested was that it belongs to the moon as a planet, which in some ways surprised me. I guess I guess they thought the moon, because of the bark and the silver shininess of it, or maybe it's to do with the water from the roots, but I actually feel like it's probably not the moon. I can feel how the moon would be relevant, but I can't feel that it's the whole story. It's almost more like a balance. The eucalyptus tree is a balance between fire and water and that it needs both for survival. Um, I think listening to the history of it, strength, cleansing, resilience and protection definitely cover um, the types of things that eucalyptus can do. I certainly burn eucalyptus leaves when smoke Um, cleansing my house. I use it to move energies around and use it to fix the energy of the place and to make it feel better and more harmonious and to remove negative things away. Now, sage is obviously a tricky one, um, particularly with everything that's coming out about it, particularly white sage. So a really good alternative in Australia is eucalyptus and it is so easy to find. I find, though, that it doesn't burn like a bundle. It's not going to work in that way. I have actually found it easier to actually, once it's dried, to hold it into a candle flame and walk around with it actually in the flame smoking in the house. Um, maybe you have more success with it. Maybe it's just the species of eucalyptus I'm I'm picking. Maybe I should do some, yoc- some globulus because it's much more flammable. Uh, some of the other ideas people said was that eucalyptus is good for healing. They suggested making sachets or pillows to attract healthy vibes um, and also like to fill poppets, put like eucalyptus in poppets as well as, a, as, a, as an aid to help heal people. 
So there are also some thoughts that it brings joy and helps to overcome blockages and reconcile difficulties in relationships. I feel like it's an opener plant, like it it is like the death card. It does have the ability to end things and start anew or to to grow back from something that has been quite quite traumatic or quite significant. Dare I say it's even a like a door closer, like, you know, a door closes and another one opens or, yeah, it's really that rise from the ashes thing. So I can see how that is true, um, but I think it's a bit more than just overcoming blockages. I feel like it's a it's a road opener, um, a pathway presenter. It brings things new into your space. Yeah, and of course it is very resilient. It is a plant that lives in very resilient environments and responds to situations that other plants could not survive from and things like that, especially around fire and and um, uh, that kind of thing. So, yeah, there's something about new growth and the ability to come come forward. One of the magical posts I saw, which <laughs> was from Tumblr, from Vaeus Witchcraft and Spiritual is the Tumblr. Um, and they said, healing comes to us when we open ourselves to it. Eucalyptus carries strong healing vibrations within it and is said if and it is said if you light a blue or white candle in the middle of the ring of eucalyptus leaves while focusing your troubled spot healing. The universe will hear your presence and send forth powerful healing energy. Now I've been to events where uh, so we have the Huon Midwinter Festival here every year, and one year they had a a healing ceremony with the with some of the indigenous Tasmanian population, and we they had a ring of eucalyptus leaves, they had fire in the middle, and there was dancing. Um, and we wrote like we took a leaf and burnt it in the fire as a way to heal ourselves. And I feel like this is kind of the same play on that. So I can I kind of wonder if they got the idea from from that. Um they also said that you can hang the herb over doors and windows um and it can provide protection in that way um and can help channel higher vibration into one's aura. Another thing I really love to do with eucalyptus is hang it in the shower. And like use it as a way to like, yes, of course, open my airways because I'm an asthmatic, but also to cleanse the space and to cleanse me and to walk into a ritual after having that kind of energy. It is actually really cool. Even to it just to start my day, like I'll just stick a whole chunk of eucalyptus in my shower, just hang it off the thing and the steam helps activate the oils and it's um it's really lovely. Um, of course, um, there's some things you can do around healing again, like, cause it has such good healing properties. Some suggest that it's actually good for healing addiction. Um, so maybe if you have a food addiction, you could maybe do something with it that way, you know, or any kind of addiction, of course, with other help that you need to, to get around those things. Uh, I saw one person recommend that you, that you use it in exorcisms, couldn't tell you whether that's good or bad, um, but I don't know. I did see this uh, lovely, lovely idea about toxicity in the workplace and to help raise vibrations. 
particularly if there's someone who you're having trouble with in the workplace, it says to take in a vase of eucalyptus leaves, just the leaves, not even flowers, and just sit it on your desk and that will provide like a a higher vibration, calming, more joyful, higher vibing place. Um, And I'm going to try that. I think that sounds like a really cool idea. The only thing they say is that once it's wilted, you should remove it away from you, like take it away from your office, um, away from a place, far away from the place that you work so that you're not trapping that energy there because in theory it's absorbed all that negative energy and it's wilted. Um, I actually kind of like the idea of potentially putting it in a river and letting it carry it away the negativity away from you. I feel like that's really symbolic and it doesn't have any seeds and I just can't think of any other impacts that that would have in Australia because, well, I know here we have lots of eucalyptus along the river, so there's already logs of eucalyptus in the river and things like that. So I think that could be a really significant thing to do as well. Um, So, yeah, that's eucalyptus. I would really like to hear if you've had any experience with it what your feelings are towards it, how it works, what it does for you. Yeah, I'm absolutely curious. I think it's a really, really interesting herb. And I think it has some really significant magical properties. Some that I do already use. I already do the the healing with the shower and the cleansing in the shower and the and the cleansing of the space with the with the leaves. So um yeah. Yeah, tell me, tell me what you're up to. What do you do with it? Do you use it in your practice? Since it's not just in Australia because it's found all over now that there are plantations, do you use it for anything? Do you use the oil? I'm really curious. All right. So I hope that wasn't too boring, um, just having me not having a conversation. This would have been a fun one to have Hannah here for to talk about, like, some of the ideas around what it could be and how it works and what we think of it and that kind of thing. But it won't be this month and I'm not sure it's going to be next month either. She's a little bit worried that October may be similar. So you may just get stuck with me or maybe I'll do an interview with someone. That would be really cool. Um, So if anyone out there wants to reach out and say hi to us, um, you can find us on Instagram at witchy.bites. We're also on Twitter as Witchy Bites, one word. We are on Facebook. We just have a page, but you can message us there. We will get your messages. And you can also email us at witchy.bites at outlook.com. We really would like to hear from people. I got a message the other day from someone saying that they saw the ghost. Hi, Naomi, (laughs) if you're listening at Glenn Hewen from one of our earlier episodes and that was really cool. I'm still waiting to hear the story. I haven't I haven't run into her. So that's that's really cool. I can't wait to hear about it. I'll ask her if I can share it with you all on the podcast because that sounds fun. Yeah, so so please reach out, say hi. Um, we hope you're all doing well. We hope you're all safe. It's been a year, as everyone keeps saying, and um yeah. We, we hope you're good. All right. Much love to you. Bye.